Uh, Dear Heavenly Father, what a joyous thing it is to be here on Easter morning. What a celebration that we know, Father, that because of the cross, our sins are forgiven. And because of the empty tomb, our life is safe in your hands. Father, I pray that we may be filled with joy and thanksgiving and give you all the glory this morning. I pray, Heavenly Father, that the offering that was received may truly glorify you, may be in a heart of thanksgiving, and Father, may be used to extend your kingdom and the glory of your name to those who have not yet heard that Jesus Christ is risen. I pray this in the name of your Son, Jesus. Amen. So, we've been trying to explain the Easter story to my three-year-old this week, and I think we've been doing a very good job of explaining, you know, Jesus, the Son of God, who came from heaven and and lived amongst us and then died for our sins, and sins are the bad things that we do, and that he rose again, and because he rose again, he offers life to anyone who trusts in him. And we've been telling him that almost every occasion, because three-year-olds love stories. But then yesterday, Henry, my three-year-old, was just taking a, it was just whopping my one-year-old, just, man, just rough. And we asked him, I says, Henry, what, what are you doing? And he looked at us, he says, well, I just had to sin. <laughs> so my hope is that I'll be able to communicate the meaning of Easter better to you than I have to my three-year-old this morning. Because that's not the point, but we'll be reviewing a little bit this afternoon with him. He is risen. risen Yes. Hear the words from the Lord your God. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Your warfare is ended. Your iniquity is pardoned. And Jesus tells us in the Gospel of John, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Do not let your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. And from the book of Revelation, Behold, I make all things new. He is risen. risen You're going to have to do that several times, so stay up. There are many wonderful messages that can be preached on Easter. Uh, And that's true, but when you have to preach the message and you have to figure out, well, what am I going to say? That becomes a real challenge. And so I speak from experience that there is a lot to say, but, but what to say and how to communicate it and what do we need to hear today was a challenge. And so for that reason, I've decided not to preach on the resurrection for just one week But I will be preaching for three weeks on the resurrection. However, for today, I want us to focus on one aspect. Because Christ is risen, you are comforted. Again, listen to Isaiah. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Your warfare is ended. Your iniquity is pardoned. I think we need to hear this message because we have been through tough times. And I know every time that a group of people comes together in a church, there are many hurting and suffering people. 
And I don't know all the hurts and all the suffering that is going on in your individual lives. I don't know the stress. I don't know the bad news. But I know that when you come to church, many of us are hurting. And so today, I want you to hear, because Christ is risen, you are comforted. And then as a congregation, we've been through tough times. We've been without a pastor for a while, and you've had uh, me preach a couple times, and all of that sort of stuff. It's been tough. And uh, we need to hear today that because Christ is risen, we are comforted. And then there are also people here today who probably don't understand and don't accept that something that happened 2,000 years ago really makes any difference to their life. You're here and you don't really see Jesus as Messiah and you don't see this as good news that makes a difference. But I know that you need comfort. I know that you need hope. If not this very minute, I know that you've needed it in the past and I know that you will need it in the future. Because we are all struck with overwhelming times. And I hope that today you will find that in Christ you can be comforted because he is risen. But how do hard times fit into the good news of Easter? I mean, when we go through tough times and we suffer, the questions that come to our mind are always, what does this mean? Why is this happening? What is wrong with me or with us? Why would God allow this to happen? Does God still care? Have we done something wrong? And these sorts of questions, they fill our minds. And so at such a time, we need to hear again the message of Easter. Because Easter is the story of taking the worst news, the cross, and making it the best news. And the resurrection reminds us that God's, of God's promise that he can take our hardship and redeem it. That is why I want to remind us today that the resurrection is God's promise that he will take care of us. Our scripture today is from 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3 through 11. It's in your bulletin, but uh, I'd like, if you have your own Bible, to, to open to that page. The scripture is, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort we, which we ourselves are comforted by God. For as we share abundantly in Christ's sufferings, so through Christ we share abundantly in comfort too. If we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation. And if we are comforted, it is for your comfort which you experience when you patiently endure the same sufferings that we suffer. Our hope for you is unshaken, for we know that as you share in our sufferings, you will also share in our comfort. For we do not want you to be ignorant, brothers, of the affliction we experienced in Asia. For we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death, but that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. He delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us. On him we have set our hope that he will deliver us again. You also must help us by prayer, so that many will give thanks on our behalf for the blessings granted us through the prayers of many. 
Paul wrote this passage and he wrote this letter in response to some people he calls hucksters or peddlers of God's word who had come into the church of Corinth, which he had planted about five years ago. And they started telling them that Paul wasn't giving the right message. That, that if you really have the gospel message, you are so blessed by God that you should be prosperous, you should be living your best life now, you should be enjoying these magnificent spiritual gifts, and you should not be facing affliction, you should not be facing suffering. And so they started to drive a wedge between Corinth and their apostle Paul, because they were making this charge. If Paul has the right message... If God is really with him, why then is he suffering so much? That argument is still persuasive. Because when something isn't going right, when we are in tough times, uh, we automatically think something is wrong. Paul's letter was written to challenge that thinking. He wrote to, to, to explain that his ministry, which was full of hardship, which was full of suffering, which was full of affliction, was evidence for, not evidence against, the fact that the power of God was in him. And Paul, today and for us, is going to show us it is not the easy times where we witness the power of the resurrection, but the difficult times. And it's when God takes us through tough times that we discover how powerful the resurrection to comfort and to deliver truly is. And so tough times become opportunities for God to witness to a lost world that his power is sufficient. And that his comfort covers all grief. And so Paul's argument is very important for us to hear. Because he shows us how God uses tough times in the lives of his people to show the world that what he did with Jesus, he still does today. In today's text, we are going to see two ways that the resurrection serves as God's promise that he will always take care of us. Now let's go to the text in detail. And on your, on your bulletin, the back page, there's an outline of the sermon, and, and uh, that can help you follow along. The first way that uh, God comforts us, or the first way that God's promise of the resurrection takes care of us, is that the resurrection assures us that there is comfort even in hardship. And we see that Paul writes this letter where he is, he is in a, an anguish, he is in suffering, and, and he's got a church that is about to desert him. And yet he is able to start with, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. He's able to start with praise. And he is able to proclaim that the God that he worships is the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. Now, you might be asking, Nathan, it's Easter Sunday. Aren't we supposed to be in John 20 or Luke 24 or something like that? I think that this text is very appropriate for Easter because Paul is, is the embodiment of what it means to believe and live out the resurrection. All that Paul did was in faith that Christ is risen. His life is a mark and an evidence of what it means to have the resurrection as part of our life. And so as he is writing this passage, he is thinking about the resurrection. He is thinking about what Christ has done, and he is putting that out there in practical ways to teach us resurrection comfort. He shows us that the resurrection, uh, he, 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 through this, this uh, passage, he's going to show us that the resurrection, in fact, shows the God who always comforts. Paul mentions and, and tells us that we see God's heart which is that he is the father of mercies and the God of all comfort. 
Now, we need to recognize that when Paul talks about the God of all comfort, he is talking about a different order of comfort than, than what we find in the world. I mean, we have comforters, and we have comfort food, and we have uh, pleasures and recreation and relaxation and all those sorts of things that we seek comfort in, and we have our lazy boys. But that's the comfort that the world offers, and that comfort you will find comes up lacking when you have real affliction. It is a sad thing to go to a, a funeral of an unbeliever and find how they try to reach for some kind of consolation, for some kind of comfort, knowing that they don't have anything. It is, it is hard to watch unbelievers as their marriages disintegrate or as they get bad medical news, as they just grasp for anything because they find that the comfort that they have, uh, put, that they have sought in this world does nothing to comfort them in the really hard stuff. But Paul is able to describe a comfort that is far greater, that is far deeper, that sustains even in death. And he is able to call our God the God of all comfort. What does it mean when he talks about comfort? He's not talking about comfortable. He's not talking about God's giving us lazy boys anytime we need to sit down. He is talking about a God that fortifies us, that gives us strength, that gives us the ability to go through hardship because he is with us. He is that kind of comforter. And so what is Paul looking at when he tells us the God of all comfort? How can we know that God's heart is truly a God of all comfort? Well, we know when we look at the resurrection. We know when we look at the cross. We know that God is a God of all comfort because he sent his son into this world to endure the hardship, to endure the affliction, and to endure the painful burden of our sins on the cross so that he might give us mercy, so that he might give us comfort. So whenever we face affliction or we face hardship and we say, where is God in all this? Stop that thinking and look to the cross. Because on the cross we see the God who truly does all that it takes to provide us the comfort and the hope that we need. Is our God of God of comfort? Is Christ risen? At this point, he is risen indeed would suffice. So please say that with me. He is risen indeed. Every time I ask, is Christ risen? Please answer that way. We also then look at verse 5 in this text and we see that Paul tells us that for as we share abundantly in Christ's suffering, so through Christ we share abundantly in comfort too. Now, I want us to look at the background of that text. Pay attention. It's that Christ suffered for us that we have comfort. So we know that the resurrection shows the God who always comforts because it shows God's heart. But it also shows Jesus' sacrifice for our comfort. Christ went without any comfort so that we might be comforted. He came to this world, he endured the afflictions, he endured the hardship, and he endured the suffering for our sins to the very point of death, taking no comfort, experiencing no relief, because he determined to comfort you through his sacrifice. We, we, we can look at... Um, we should, let's listen to the words from Isaiah 53. This is, this is the Savior that we have. 53 verses 4 through 9. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. 
But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was a chastisement that brought us peace. And with his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted. Yet he opened not his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to the slaughter. And like a sheep that before its shearers is silent. So he opened not his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away. And as for his generation who considered that he was uh, cut off from the land of the living, stricken for the transgression of my people. And there he was made a grave with the wicked. Christ came and took on our affliction, took on our hardship, and took on our sin. Not giving himself any comfort so that you could be comforted. D.A. Carson says this, you can trust a God that bleeds for you. The cross also shows us the necessity of, of, of Christ's comfort. If Christ had to go to the cross for us to be comforted, then we know that there is going to be no ultimate comfort outside the cross. And we know that because Christ is risen, He is the only one that can truly offer comfort that will take you through the valley of the shadow of death. He is the only one who stands risen. And so he is the only one that can provide the abundant comfort that we need when hardship and affliction fall upon us. Do we have comfort in Christ? Is Christ risen? He is, risen is he risen? He is risen so the resurrection comforts us as we face hardship. It shows us how God redeems hardships for good. And we, we look at verse 6, how Paul starts to talk about the fact that if I am afflicted, it is for your comfort and your salvation. And if I am comforted, it is for your comfort when you endure hardship. He is thinking of himself patterned after what Christ did for us. And what Christ did for us is that he went through suffering and affliction that we would be comforted. We see on Easter Sunday, the God who can turn the excruciating cross into inexpressible comfort. And that God who can change the cross from agony to your comfort can take your hardships and redeem them for good too. How might God redeem our hardships? We see in this passage that God might use our hardships as an opportunity to spread the gospel. Paul, Paul says if our, our hardships and sufferings are for your salvation, what he is talking about there is I have been a witness to Christ and I have gone through hardship to share Christ because I know that God comforts me along the way. So the resurrection comfort was, was, was able to use Paul and able to redeem Paul as he suffered in ministry to share the gospel. It also becomes a witness because only because God's power is in us are we surviving, are we continuing, are we able to offer joy in the midst of affliction. It is because we know the God of the resurrection that we can say like Jeremiah, even in the midst of the worst things, that our God's mercies are new every morning. And then the other aspect we see in verse 4, he says, we are comforted so that we would be comforters. It is taking us through affliction and then comforting us that God makes us able to comfort others. We should think now how the hardship that we have gone through has made us more able to share comfort and to show the joy of Christ and to show the sustaining power of resurrection comfort to this world. 
Isn't it awesome that our God gives us the ability to redeem even our hardships for good? Can God redeem our hardships? Is Christ risen? And then we see that the resurrection comforts us as we face hardship by assuring us of future comfort. No matter what hardship we go through, no matter what suffering we may experience, the fact of the matter is it is always temporary. But the comfort that God offers is eternal. The comfort that God offers will never cease. And the comfort that God offers will exceed whatever difficulty we go through. I think it is interesting how Jesus describes the comfort that he provides. Listen in John 16. Truly, truly, I say to you, you will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice. You will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will turn into joy. When a woman is giving birth, she has sorrow because her hour has come. But when she has delivered the baby, she no longer remembers the anguish for joy that a human being has been born into the world. So also you have sorrow now, but I will see you again, and your hearts will rejoice, and no one will take your joy from you. That is the comfort and the joy that the gospel offers. Because even if our suffering takes our life from us, we are told just like a mother who goes through the anguish of childbirth and labor that vanishes the moment that new baby is on her breast, that your joy will be like that, except greater. For as we share in the sufferings of Christ, we know that through Christ, we will be abundantly comforted. Meaning that if you were to put the two on the scales... You wouldn't even be able to see the affliction for the weight of the eternal glory that Christ has for you. He offers that comfort, and that comfort is always before us. And that comfort is yours if you trust in Christ. Will God give us abundant comfort? Is Christ risen? And the second main point here, the resurrection ensures that our hope will not be in vain. First, we see that the resurrection assures us that we'll have comfort even in hardship. And the second, we see that the resurrection ensures that our hope will not be in vain. Paul now starts talking about a personal experience. And we don't know the details of it. We only know that it happened in Asia. We don't know what it was, but he said that he was excessively burdened. We are told that he felt he despaired of life itself. He describes it as the sentence of death being upon him. We don't know what it could be. Many commentators speculate one thing or the other. The emphasis, though, is that God has used his hardship to fix his sights on the resurrection. The point of Paul talking about this is to show us that in his deepest despair, he was able to find comfort in the fact that God raises the dead. What is the biggest obstacle, though, to the comfort of the resurrection? We see in this passage, it's self-reliance. See, Paul was, tells us that his affliction came so that he would no longer rely on himself, but rely on the God who raises the dead. You cannot rely on yourself and on God at the same time. You're either going to trust in the God who raises the dead, or you are going to try and live life by pulling up your bootstraps and by trying to make it work out. But when the sentence of death comes upon you, your self-reliance will fail. But with Christ 
and the one who raises the dead, we find that we have one who takes us through the worst affliction, can give us comfort, and can give us hope even when it seems hopeless. Christ was able to face the sentence of death by relying on the God who raises the dead. We read, we read that passage in Isaiah. I mean, what, what kept Christ on? How did he continue to go forward? Why didn't he despair and give up? We are told in Hebrews that it was for the joy that was set before him that he endured the cross. We have that same joy when we look to the cross and we look to the resurrection. We have the joy set before us that gives us the ability to endure whatever hardship. Because with Christ, we are abundantly comforted. And, and uh, B, the resurrection is where our hope is made certain so that we trust in him alone to deliver us. Paul almost breaks into a creed. We know that he has delivered us from a deadly peril and then he will deliver us. And so we trust that he will deliver us again. If you know the resurrection and you know that the resurrection can destroy the bonds of death and anything up to it, then you know that you will always be delivered. You will be taken care of even if your life is taken from you. And so when we go through hardship, we don't see the hardship as something that's going to destroy us, but something that God is going to show His power through us with. And that makes hardship a place where God demonstrates the truth and the power of the gospel. And so we trust in him alone to deliver us. We know that only he can raise the dead. Just like Christ. And Christ's hope was not in vain, neither will ours. And because we know that Christ alone, that God alone raises the dead when we look at Christ, we seek his deliverance through prayer. If we know that this God who, who, who sent his son to the cross, who bled for us, and who came back to life to offer us peace and comfort, if we know all that he has and all the blessings that he offers, and that they are only in Christ, then the first place we go in hardship is prayer. And we will be marked by people who depend upon prayer. And finally, we give thanks. We would be full of thanksgiving because we see in every single day of our life God's mercies which are new every morning. And we see God's deliverance here and deliverance there and the ability that he comforted us in this place or that place. And and we become a people marked by thanksgiving. When you know resurrection comfort, you are able to give thanks in the good times and the bad times. Because resurrection comfort is the toughest stuff you can have to go through life. Does the resurrection make our hope certain? Is Christ risen? risen All right, well, let's conclude. (laughs) In conclusion, we see that the resurrection is our source of comfort. The resurrection is God's promise that he'll take care of us. If we are assured in it, we are assured that there is comfort even in hardship. And we are ensured that there is hope that will not be in vain. Now, I want to speak to those who maybe have never trusted in Christ, who aren't sure how Easter is relevant today. I want you to know that all the hope and all the comfort that we have talked about is only for those who trust in Christ. I can't say the same if you don't have Christ. But if you do have Christ, these promises are yours, and these promises will fill you with joy and hope and the ability to go through anything. And I want you to have that hope. 
I want you to have that comfort. Because Christ has conquered death, he is the only hope and the only comfort that will never disappoint you. Without Christ, there is no hope when the sentence of death comes. And we don't know what it will be, how it will look, how long it will take, but we do know that the sentence of death is ahead of everyone. Christ wants you to know the comfort and to have the hope of the resurrection in your life. And you can have that hope. You have to admit that you cannot save yourself. You must despair of your own self-reliance and your own self-comfort. And you must say that because Christ died, I need what He offers. And because Christ is risen, I know He is the only one that can provide it. You have to believe Jesus Christ, the Son of God, that He died for your sins and that you need His salvation and that He alone has come back from the grave to offer eternal life. And then you commit your life by trusting Jesus, by trusting the God who raises the dead, by forsaking self-reliance and a self-centered life. And if you do that, you can have the comfort that will outlast any possible affliction. Please don't delay that decision. The sentence of death is an overwhelming flood, and we don't know when it comes. And it is those who are trusting in Christ that will make it through it. Now, what about this church? What does this message tell us for this church? We have been through hard times. But let me ask you this. What if those hard times were redeemed? What if those hard times were redeemed into making us a church who offered resurrection comfort? What if we embodied that sort of comfort? What would we look like? We wouldn't worry about much. We wouldn't complain about much. We wouldn't point the blame at other people. We'd offer forgiveness. We'd offer hope. We would be a people who are really committed to one another who stick it out for one another, who we can depend on when we have troubles, that, they, that they'll always be there for us. We would be a people with a complete and radical freedom to just give ourselves away, knowing that God's resurrection comfort will take care of us no matter how spent and used up we become. We would be a place filled with worship and thanksgiving, praising God every day for his new comforts, his new mercies, his new deliverances, and his never-ending hope. We'd be a place that meets this world's deepest needs. People would see this place and say, they have a bigger, deeper comfort, and I need it. And they would be drawn to it. A people like that will find that their days of hardship have only made them a better church. That church would find that in the resurrection, they have had their hardships redeemed. They will be one that can comfort to others and witness to others the surpassing power of the resurrection. We see just such a church described in the book of Acts. We were told in the second chapter that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers, and awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles, and all who believed were together and had all things in common, and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts praising God and having favor with all the people. 
And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Could we become a church like that? Is Christ risen? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that because Christ is risen, we are comforted. Father, teach us how to redeem our hardships. Teach us how to let go of self-reliance and rely on you, the God who raises the dead. Father, teach us to trust you because we see every Easter morning that you are the God who reverses the sentence of death. You are the God who in Christ has brought abundant comfort out of excruciating pain. And you have done that, Heavenly Father, to show us that we can trust you and be comforted by you and have hope in you that lasts and that overcomes and that allows us to give ourselves completely to the awesomeness of your gospel. And so, Heavenly Father, I pray that you would redeem our hardships, redeem our afflictions, make us comforters, make us witnesses. And Father, I pray that in this church and in every one of us, the, the, the hope of resurrection comfort may shine through, that we may walk through this world and the world will say, He is risen, He is risen indeed, because I have seen the comfort He offers. I pray this all in the name of the awesome Son, your awesome Son, our awesome Savior, and the God who gives us peace. In His name I pray, amen.